0: Everybody, we are Thursday evening. We are five days to the election. And I figured there was something that is still really confusing to people, and that is the Electoral College. And and I have to admit, even majoring in poli sci for the brief time that I was, it's confusing. I understand. And I'm gonna try to do the best I can without sounding like a history professor um, and explain it. And the reason why is because I'm going to avoid the number one question I keep getting, which is, Matt, who's going to win the election? Is it going to be Donald Trump? Is it going to be Joe Biden? Is it going to be Donald Trump? Is it going to be Joe Biden? I mean, every day, folks, I keep getting this question. Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Who's going to win? And I don't know how many times I can tell you I just don't have 2020 vision. I do not even have to look that one up, folks. It's uh, pretty good. Listen, my name is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. It's wonderful to see everybody. This might go a little bit longer than usual. I'm going to throw up the old timer because uh, this is a tough topic. I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. and We're going to see if we can do some damage here. Listen, the Electoral College, I understand why everyone's so upset. Here's the problem. Democrats want the Electoral College banished, and which makes no sense because it actually favors them. And I'm going to explain it to you. Coming out of the gate, they have over 130 votes, pretty much guaranteed. And the Republicans are constantly playing catch up. So that influences the Midwest, the Central Time, and the West Coast because the Eastern Seaboard, a lot of those states are pretty much already called by the time these other polls are closed. So it really helps because on the West Coast, they have Washington, Oregon, and California. But that's not really important. I'm going to go into all of it. It is actually important. We'll go into it in just a few minutes. So listen, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the Electoral College, and I will try to keep it as simple. I already recorded this, and my wife said, scrap it. It's crap. Do something else, which I love her to death for me, for for telling me that. So here's the thing. There's two ways to think about this, and I want to really be clear. There's the primaries, which I want you to just completely scrap, which has delegates. And that can get really confusing with super delegates and delegates and all this other stuff, just ignore all of that. The president is the incumbent, which means that they hold the current office of president. And the opposing party in this case, which would be the Democrats, are vying for that seat. And the primaries has like 25 come in and then they go ahead and they go state by state and then they vote for delegates and then they collect the delegates and that person is the nominee for president. blah, blah, blah. blah. That's what's been going on for the last 14 months, and just over the last three or four, we've realized that Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic um, electee, okay, for running for president. That's pretty simple. The Electoral College gets more complicated because it's really one thing that sounds like it's split up in the two. I wish they would change the name and get rid of college because people think it's just a bunch of people who they randomly assign and have to somehow, with the will of their own convictions, be honorable and vote for the person that the person votes for. And that's really not true. Uh, people have swayed before, but that's, once again, a whole nother slippery slope. This is the thing that people don't seem to understand. There are electors. And those electors are assigned to each state. Okay? And each state has a certain amount of electors based on population. And people go, okay, I understand that. Well, it's already working that way, and I'm going to explain it in a way that I think the missing piece is that you don't understand who those electors are. So I'm going to help you with that. But first, we're going to talk a little bit about, with the Electoral College, why it's important, okay? There's only been some grievances, 700 of them, where there's been certain amendments tried to be made and certain opposition against the Electoral College to change it. So it has been around since our founding fathers, and it was found that they did not want a popular vote because they knew that tyrannical rule could happen within a certain party based upon population. They didn't want that. But they also wanted to make sure that all the states were represented because the presidential nomination isn't about – your single vote. It's about the states. The states are nominating the person to run the executive branch. And honestly, it has very little to do with one person. It has to do with the collective of the country. It's really important if you're going to understand this. The senators, state legislatures, they represent you. Real simple. That's why they are based off the popular vote. The Electoral College is focused on the presidential election, and they try to make it fair because the Tenth Amendment brings power to each state equally based upon the amount of people in that state. Okay? Everyone following me so far? Great. Four times so far the popular vote, which is the collective masses of the people voted. In 2016, it was 130 million people, roughly, give or take. Those 130 million people voted— And that popular vote was tallied, and Hillary Clinton won by 3 million votes. Now, we're not going to go into illegal aliens. We're not going to go into uh, dead people. We're not going to go into double voting. Okay, we're not going to go into that, or Russian collusion, okay? Let's assume that all 130 ballots were Americans. Fair enough. The real question is, what happened to the other 326 – out of that 326 million, why 56% didn't vote? Maybe we shouldn't be trying to redo the electoral college. Maybe we should be getting more people to vote, which is something the Republicans have been focusing on for the last four years. And it's really interesting. I'll try to get to that if I have more time. But only four times in history has this happened. It happened with Hillary Clinton and President Trump. It happened with George Bush and Al Gore. It had happened with Adams and uh, Hamilton, Tilden and Hayes, I forgot it, and then Cleveland and Harrison, where the popular vote has differed from the electoral vote, which means they won the popular But the person who won the electoral actually took the presidency, which is interesting. So five times now. The real crux of this is that the Democrats have gotten hit twice in the last 20 years, and they don't want to get hit a third time. So there's this call to ban the electoral college, and simply because people don't understand it. So I'm going to try to help you with that today. Let's go into the first thing. If we were to assume that we were going to have an electoral college for the world, which would mean that each country would have a certain amount of people and they would be assigned a certain amount of electors to represent the people, okay? And then they would get a say in the vote based upon population. Is that fair? Everyone understand? Then we would have a new world order. We would have a president or a dictator or a king go ahead and be assigned to the world. You can use any moniker you want. If we do that, then it would look a little something like this. And with that, we only not only have the population deciding, but you also have the politics of that country deciding. And nobody wants China, India, and Indonesia having equal portions, inequal portions of votes compared to the United States. This is the collective countries in the world. Broken down to Africa, the Americas, Asia, Europe, and the Oceanic States. And India and China would decide every single election if we went to the world popular vote. That is terrifying for everybody. We all understand that, especially how India and Pakistan treat each other, but predominantly China, which ultimately is communist. That's very scary. Look at some of the other countries. Pakistan would be in there, Iran. Dominican Republic, Russia. So as you can see, if we use the world example, which helped me realize why the Electoral College was popular when I was in poli-sci, I hope that helps you do the same. Because nobody would ever say they want China deciding the world's president. Just like we don't want Texas, Florida, California, and New York deciding our elections or one small pocket of California, a very little tiny part deciding our elections. So if this holds true and we understand that piece, let's go ahead and talk about what the Electoral College is. I did take a little bit of notes. 1788, Article 2 in the Constitution is designed to discuss about the president and the executive branch and how they are elected. Um, Articles 12, 14, and 23. 23 focus on Washington, D.C. getting three electors in the national election. I'll explain all of this. The other amendments essentially made sure that the two-thirds vote in Congress and 38 states would have to vote in favor of abolishing the Electoral College. They made it very difficult. Let's talk about gods and politics real quick. In religion, you have to believe in everything, because if you don't believe in everything that happened in the Bible, then why don't you question everything? So if you believe in do not lie and do not covet thy neighbor's wife, you don't get to just pick one thing and say, well, killing people's okay. I'm going to go ahead and do that. It's not the Old Testament. I'm not going to get turned into salt. This is the New Testament, God's hip and understanding and forgiving. No, it's not the way religion works. And I don't care what your beliefs are. It's an example and one that we can put towards the Constitution. That if you believe and you stand behind the 10th and the 4th and the 1st, You also have to believe in the second, the right to bear arms. You don't get to pick and choose because it's a nation of laws. However, you do get to vote and you can change that. And we're going to walk through how you can change that. So let's get really, really simple here. There are needed 538 electoral votes to represent all 50 states. And a candidate needs 270 to cross that line to win. When you cross 270, you win, period. These little hexagons, octagons, whatever the heck they are, stop signs, represent and show you the amount by population. As you can see, California, Texas, Florida, New York have the largest chunks, and they have the most people. California has 55 Florida's 29, Texas 38, New York 29, tied with Florida. Essentially, New York and Florida cancel each other out, and pretty much Texas and California cancel each other out. But then you look at a small state like Wyoming that it has three. And a lot of people say, wait a second, that's not fair. California has 30-some-odd million people. Wyoming has under a million. Why do they get three? You're thinking about it the wrong way. Because you're thinking about it as a popular vote, the same way we vote for senators, and the gubernational, and the mayors, and the city council, and the superintendents, and the sheriffs, which is based on a popular vote. That is the state, city, municipality, and towns. Those are the people who represent you. The president of the United States does not represent the people, even though the people can hold him or her accountable. Interesting, right? Right. The president of the United States is the president of all 50 states, and therefore one state is not more powerful than the other, and that's where the reserve power of the states from the 10th Amendment come. And in my opinion, it is the most important amendment that we have, even more important than the first and the second almost, because ultimately it says that the federal government cannot impose its will on the people without vote and without elected due representation. And if anything is struck down by the federal government, it reserves back to the states for the states to make that decision. That's why abortion and the Affordable Care Act, it doesn't matter if it's struck down by the Supreme Court. It will fall back into the state's power for them to decide. Does that make sense? So now that we've talked about that and we've put that one in, let's talk about the Electoral College itself. And this is where it can get a little confusing for people. Okay, And I understand that. I get it completely, 120% but I'm going to try to help you with it. I'm trying to find a good spot for this. All right, we're just going to do it right here. So if we take a look prior to election day, this is where people get confused and say, Matt, I don't understand. Who are these people that are in the electoral college? Well, this will help. And this is where the biggest confusion is, is people go, I don't understand. Are they just a bunch of people randomly off the street? No, these are your elected representatives. And when they say each state and all parties with presidential candidate choose potential electors, what that means is out of the 538, you have 100 that are senators, two per state. So you get two electorals, two electors per state, which is 100. And you have 438 House of Representatives. And that's based off the current census. And when you look at the state's population, You will have a certain amount of representation based upon your population. And then those people are responsible once the election is over in between that November 4th and the January 20th or whatever date it is that the president gets sworn in to represent in Congress and to cast their vote of what the American people voted on, which was the popular vote. Everyone following me so far? Each state gets a certain amount of electors. We saw that in the previous graph and they are our representatives and senators. On election day, voters in each state cast their votes for the presidential candidate of their choice. They're actually voting to select their state's electors. Their state's electors to go in and represent them. And then after election day, the electors meet to vote for the president and the elector votes are tallied by Congress. Now, here's the thing, and a lot of people get confused by this as well, is no, it's not the veteran crisis hotline. It's don't unfriend me. So What they get confused about is, well, can't they change their vote on me? Listen, it's been tried before, and people threaten to do it with Hillary Clinton and say, we're going to go off the popular vote and not the breakup by counties. Because we have a winner-take-all mentality in the states. You can't split the votes. There's only two states that do that. That would be Maine and Nebraska. And the reason why is all they have is corn and lobster, and they need as much attention as they can get. They give out two elector votes based upon the popular vote, and then one for congressional districts. So they can split. You can win half of Maine and win out the other half. And that's why Maine didn't post in the 2016 election, because it was a big mess. But once again, I'm falling a little off topic. You need those 270 votes to win, as I've said. So if you take a look at this, and I'm taking my notes off completely now. I'm missing a graph, and I think it's right here. This is how it adds up. 435 representatives, like I said, 100 senators, and then the three elector from D.C., Washington, D.C., because it's not a state, and the 23rd Amendment gave those votes. So this is how it would work in New York. They have 27 representatives. Every state gets two U.S. senators. They have 29 electoral college votes. Pretty simple. Same thing in South Dakota. One representative and two U.S. senators. So see, it really is fair for California. If California adds another 21 21 million illegal immigrants next year, their representatives would ultimately go up based upon the U.S. census. That's why we do it every 10 years. So we can go ahead and reassess, draw district lines. That's where gerrymandering comes in and all that other stuff. But We're not going to go down that path to confuse you. It's based upon, you have representatives based upon your current population. That's why it's fair. Now, what California is upset about is we have more people. Well, the Founding Fathers understood that major cities would flock to the coasts and the south. Why? Houston, those type of areas are Gulf states. They have a lot of exports of oil. There's throughfare. There's trade of imports and exports. Same thing happens on the coast, which is the throughfare to Europe and over into Asia. It makes sense that people would conglomerate, and that's where the jobs would be. And ultimately, in those areas, you would have one party switch and ebb and flow to be the dominant in those states. And they understood that those high-population states would be represented by those representatives, and they would have the most, most electoral votes. But it was still important to represent the states that just because they didn't have as many people, they were still important to the collective whole of the union, and they need to be represented even if it's one or three votes, which is why people get upset at South Dakota. They get upset at Wyoming, and they get upset at these states. Here's a picture, and I'm going to go ahead and stay out of this picture for you. Actually, I will. Stay out. There we go. So California with 55. If you look on the West Coast, seven Oregon, 12 for Washington. If we go up north and go all the way to the right, you have New York. That is why Democrats have such a huge, huge advantage right away. Is because these eastern seaboards will still be closing at the time that California is still voting. (laughs) I think I said that wrong. The West Coast will be voting even when the central And the Midwest. So they will have an idea of what's happening in the election and that can sway. They come out with a huge advantage in points. These toss up states, Florida, Georgia, the ones in the gray, North Carolina, Ohio, Iowa, these are toss up states. And simply what that means is that those states will not necessarily have a clear winner or loser before the election takes place. And this is what people are fighting for. This is where people get upset and say, why is it five or six states deciding? It's not. That's, that's ridiculous. Because without the California votes, without the Texas votes and the Florida votes and the New York votes and the Washington votes, we would never reach 270. So simply saying that we're not happy because we automatically, our state wins, you should be very happy about that. It gives you an advantage. You are represented. And each representative for your state, based upon your a population, votes for your candidate. Now, the hard part for people to understand is that they can see, like if you're a Republican, that like 90% of the map would be red for Donald Trump. And there's some small blue parts, predominantly in California and Los Angeles and San Francisco, up in New York. Manhattan, in Miami, in Dade County, in Florida, in Houston, in Dallas, in El Paso, you will see a ton of blue. And that is the most densely populated areas in the cities that have a huge sway in this election. So the Republicans say, well, we make up more territory. Well, that doesn't matter. We don't base it off a square mileage and we don't base it on overall population. We base it on each state having a certain amount of electors. And once you win those, we then go down to the smaller states, which ultimately the election is based upon. Very seldom is it based upon Texas or California Washington, Oregon or New York. Florida is the one that's actually in play. And it will follow that Ohio is the second state that usually decides the election. This year, it's probably going to be Florida and Pennsylvania. If Trump takes Pennsylvania... The rest of the state should fall in order and it'll be over. So as you can see, the Electoral College is extremely fair. Now, I understand what people are saying. I understand that people get frustrated and say that that it should be based upon everybody collective. But there's a reason why we don't do that. It's because we have a very serious problem in the United States, especially in the last four years, where certain countries are certain states absolutely have as much power as that China and India example. California has an immense amount of people. And if we wanted to, and we went to an only popular vote, I will promise you that California will decide every single election until other states decide that packing more people into it and redrawing their state lines is beneficial so they can have more of an impact. That's not the way it needs to work. The current system is important that Wyoming can decide this election. And what a beautiful thing that only one or two votes can decide the election. And that's why it's important, because the states hold that power. To sum this up and to put a nice big giant bow on it, Nothing is going to decide this election when it comes to Russia or the U.S. post office or a campaign manager who's disgruntled or the janitor that finds a bag of votes laying around and decides to throw them in the trash. Those things have very little impact in the overall election, and most of those high-volume states have already decided who they're voting for and will fall within a certain way, left or right. The only thing that truly impacts the election is to understand that your vote matters. And I hear this more than anything else. My vote doesn't count. If you're talking about the presidential election, you're absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong at the same time. If you say my vote doesn't matter, true. And if you say my vote matters, that's also true. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Jordan said that. There are so many votes up for grabs, and the Republicans have realized getting people out to register to vote is the way to do that. And every time Donald Trump holds a rally of 100,000 people, he gets their emails and their phone numbers, and he has a registration booth right there to get them registered. Now, the DMV struggles to see 100,000 people in a month, and Donald Trump is doing that every day, and he's been doing that for four years. So when you see that 20% 20 to 1 ratio is actually in favor of Republicans for new voters, and they're registering white males faster than any other demographic, then you won't be surprised at how well he does in the election in 2016 and how much better he'll probably do in 2020. You have a voice. Your representation is your state. And it may not necessarily matter too much about the presidential election, but it doesn't mean you don't vote. Underneath that ticket is where the real work begins. Your city council, the municipalities, the sheriff, the the state legislature, your senators, they represent you. And your vote, that popular vote, decides whether they stay in office We have 438 seats open in the House that are all up for election because every two years we decide to change them out like bad oil or a dirty diaper. And I believe there's 36 seats open in the Senate. You have the power to make monumental change. So if you are upset at RBG, if you are upset that Donald Trump got away with Russian collusion, if you're upset that the streets are burning Republicans, if you're upset that they want to take your guns and your First Amendment, and the cancel culture, then the way to do that isn't to worry about the Electoral College, it's to go after the people who represent you, which is the state. The President of the United States, it's not the President of the people. And that's where we get mixed up. It is so critical that every state has an equal vote, because he represents the collective whole. If nothing changes, if nothing happens, then it's on us because the beautiful thing about this document is that when it wasn't or isn't or will not work anymore, it's our job to change it. And the founding fathers didn't say we burned down cities to make that happen, that we revolt against the police. That we go ahead and attack people for having different opinions. They said the most powerful weapon that we possess is the ability to vote. And that remains true no matter how much you want to deny it or how much you have forgotten it. That's all I've got, folks. I appreciate you stopping by. Don't unfriend me uh, because I, I really actually enjoy having you here. I hope this helped explain the Electoral College, and I tried to simplify it. If you have any questions, I'm here for you. I would love to talk about it with you. 1-800-273-8255, press 1. Veteran crisis hotline is absolutely imperative. 22 veterans a day commit suicide, and we've got to help them in any way we can. Call a vet, call a friend that you haven't talked to in a while and make sure they are okay. It's up to us. And if you have a vet that you can't talk to or a friend you can't talk to, some of us have been down in that hole and we can help you out. We know the way out reach out to me on Facebook, give me a call, send me an email, and I'll make that call with you. God bless everybody. We got five days to make a decision, and I want to leave you with one other thing. The gross national product numbers came out today for the third quarter, and we were at 33.1%, I believe. The highest ever before was 16% after World War II. Donald Trump doubled it. We have one of the strongest economies ready to rebound And I will tell you what happens every time a Democrat gets in office. It tanks because regulation throttles our small businesses. Please don't make this about mean things that this man says. We need our economy. We need a strong military more than ever. And we have to let the world know that we are to be reckoned with. And unfortunately, there's one party that's really good at that, and that's the Republicans. And there's one party that isn't, and that is Democrats. Democrats. Vote wisely, my friends. You can't take it back once that day is gone. Thank you, everybody. Keep being Americans. Love you. Talk to you tomorrow. Woo, five more days.